Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. I've got a lot of things to get to this episode, so I'm probably going to keep this intro very short here. Next segment, I will be giving you my thoughts about my time over at Terrificon, which took place at Mohegan Sun on the last weekend of July. You'll hear about all the fun time I've had over there as I'll go into the convention and some of the stuff I did at Mohegan Sun as well to give you a taste of what you can do at this place as I really had a great time there. Then I will be reviewing WWE SummerSlam 2023. Yeah. By the way, I'm talking about this already. It's going to be a long review. Yeah, and it's not going to be positive. I'm sorry, but I come into every WWE pay-per-view with an open mind. And this was just hard to sit through. This was not a good show at all. I will go into that later in the episode. Then in What's Anthony T Watching, I continue the Indie Crusade because, well... The major studios still refuse to settle with the actors and the writers over AI and pay wages. As I was sent over a zombie anthology film to review for this podcast. That will be at the end of this episode. So you got the Terrificon review. My thoughts on WWE SummerSlam 2023. And my review of the zombie anthology film that I will talk about. I'll be back with my thoughts on Terrificon 2023. Welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I consider the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. Yours truly recently went to Terrificon over at Mohegan Sun. That convention took place from July 28th through July 30th. You know, yours truly went a day early because, well, I like to... Do things like gamble a little bit, catch a comedy show, have a good time. My impressions going into this convention was the fact that I did not know what to expect because we are currently still in a writers and actors strike. And there were certain things actors could not do at a convention like bring 8x10s. Thankfully, the convention itself, terrific on provided 8x10s for autographs because, really, it would have been awkward if there were no 8x10s for the celebrities. Seriously, you go to a convention and there's no 8x10s on the celebrities' table. That would have been one awkward time. But thankfully, Trificon provided the 8x10 photos, which really helped things out a lot. Because this was like short notice, where I could not grab any photos or anything for this convention. But anyway, the convention started off Friday. And of course, I started off spending like crazy with the vendors. Well, even though 
we are in this SAG strike, and I say I won't buy Blu-rays or DVDs or anything that resembles the major studios, I don't want to hurt the vendors at these conventions. And they should not suffer for those idiots in Hollywood like Bob Iger and others. So I brought stuff. I'll admit that. It's only to support the vendors because they're the ones that are literally paying four, five, six hundred dollars for tables, maybe more. So you want to support them. And if you take the strike out on them, it's not helping their bottom line. And I don't want to hurt vendors. I always want vendors to succeed at these conventions. So I really do not want to take it out on them because there are idiots in Hollywood that don't want to go to the negotiating table. That's probably the only time I'll do that for cons because these vendors need to pay off their tables and make profit. Because some of these vendors literally make a living vending these conventions. So anyway, I get there on Friday... I started meeting up with some of the celebs. I am not going to go into films. And yes, I may have slipped up once or twice talking about films. Because this is like the first convention during an actor strike that I've been to. So I had to tread lightly in what I can ask and what I couldn't. That was such a surreal experience. Seriously. It is a surreal experience. I don't want to get them in trouble. I don't want them to get chastised by other celebrities at the con. So I just tried to stick to the basic questions like what made you become an actor, so on and so on. And literally, for the most part, it worked. I slipped up maybe once or twice during that convention but what do you expect? It's a convention. You're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to block out everything that goes on in the real world and have a fun time. So I did a lot of supporting the celebrities here at this convention. And I will start off on Friday. I get to the con. I stop walking around a little bit. Then I started meeting celebrities like Terry Farrell who was in a popular horror franchise, which I won't name because, well, I can't name any of the films because I told you on this podcast I will not talk about them here as it will give these studios some publicity, which I don't want to do, literally. If you want to find out what horror franchise she was in, go to imdb.com. Go look there. To uh, look up what films I might be talking about. Then I met Grace Caroline Curry. Very nice person. She was in one of my favorite films from last year. Again, go to imdb.com or seek out the best of 2022 episode. Where I talk about my top 10 films of the year. Then I met Sheen Gunn who is in a popular franchise from Disney, which I won't talk about. But I also talked about Troma a little bit with him and Lloyd Kaufman. Because I love Troma. And quite frankly, I can talk about Troma at conventions. If people start in Troma films. Because they have no connections to the major studios. So Then I got my pro photo op with horror legend Jeffrey Coombs. There was no way I was leaving that convention without a pro photo op with that guy. Even though I met him at CT Horror Fest last year. He's one of the greatest horror actors ever. Of course I'm going to do a pro photo op with him. Then I met all ego Ethan Page from AEW. Nice guy. Then Dan Housen for the first time. Very fun guy to be with. Then that was pretty much day one. Then during the night, yours truly... Enjoyed a nice concert from an Elton John tribute band called Captain Fantastic. 
That was such a fun time because I've never been to a concert period. That was such fun. I stayed for about two sets, even though they did three sets. Because, well, I had to get up early the next morning for day two of Terrificon. You have to not kill yourself in one day. Because a three-day con, you have to be up all day each day. You don't want to oversleep or undersleep. As I'm up there in age, so... I gotta watch what I'm doing and balance my sleeping patterns so I can have a much funner time. Then on day two, met Wardlow, very nice guy. Met Greg Sotero from The Room in Retro Puppet Master. Then I got my pro photo up with Danhausen. He's very nice and very evil. And I can be that way too, at times too. <laughs> then after that, I went to the Rebecca... Romine line was there for about a half hour. Thankfully, I had a VIP, so I could cut ahead. But then, all of a sudden, her husband, Jerry O'Connell, was giving away free selfies. And yes, yours truly took advantage of the free selfie. Because this guy has such a great body of work. It was amazing that this guy was giving free selfies. And that's very super nice of the guy. Seriously. Because with a body of work, which I can't go into, you have to go to imdb.com and search Jerry O'Connell. You can see why he it was super nice of him to give those selfies away for free to Rebecca Romine fans while waiting for her. He was having a blast. You could tell. I like people like that at my conventions. And Rebecca Romine was also a very nice person as well. That was one of my highlights of that convention. The whole Jerry O'Connell selfie experience. That it was such fun. This guy could have just sat there, gamble, played golf, stayed up in the hotel room, but didn't. You could do a lot of things at Mohegan Sun. But he gave away free selfies to fans. I respect people who do that. And do it for nothing. He chose to be at Terrificon. And gave away free selfies to his wife's fans. And that is such a nice guy of him. Because he did not have to do that. Those are guys, if he ever does cons... I would buy an autograph from to repay him for the good deed he did. Because anyway, I'd probably be in his line because he has such a body of work as is. Super nice guy. And, and his wife, Rebecca Romine, was also a super nice person as well. Definitely probably was the highlight of my convention experience there. Because you want to have... That moment where you meet a super nice person. And Jerry O'Connell was that. Seriously. And so was his wife too. Besides all that. I also hung out with some members of the Darkening Podcast Network as well. Good friends of mine too. Which is also very nice to meet. Anytime I see at a convention. As this is a really, really big convention. I didn't see many of my friends. But... But sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, because, well, it's a big convention hall. But it's always great to see some of my friends from the Darkening Podcast Network. Then after Saturday, I went up to the hotel room, relaxed, watch AEW Collision, which was a very good show. Definitely check out the ladder match between Buddy Matthews and Andrade El Idolo at the beginning of the show and the main event with FTR versus... Adam Cohen, MJF, where I loved the ending to that match where we thought we would get an MJF heel turn after they lost to FTR for the tag team titles, but didn't. That was a really good ending to that show. Then Sunday came, last day, yours truly, went to a couple panels, went to an Indiana Jones retrospective panel, then went to a panel that featured Ross Marquardt and Cooper Andrews. 
from a show that I cannot name because, well, we don't name shows here on this podcast. Go to imdb.com. Then afterwards, yours truly went to get a couple autographs from Michael Cutlets, which I got a very cool selfie with, as he was on a show that I can't mention. Go to imdb.com. Then my last autograph photo was with Michael being a very nice guy. It was nice talking to him. The guy is a sci-fi horror legend. Go to imdb.com to figure out which films he was in. Because you want to know what films these people are in? Go to imdb.com because I'm not talking about any of these films on this podcast. I'm sorry. I will not promote any major studio material on this podcast until they settle this thing. But anyway, then I just walked around a little bit, had lunch, looked around and maybe make a final purchase, but didn't, which is good for me and my bank account because I spent enough that weekend Literally with the vendors tables, including a ghost Funko, which I can talk about because ghost is a musician. You know, the guy who did songs for a certain production company recently and has one song featured in a current film in theaters. That's the only hints I'm giving you about what kind of horror cred this guy has. But anyway, this guy has horror cred anyway because he dresses up in makeup and everything, it feels like it's horror music in the vein of, like, Ice Nine Kills. I didn't make that final purchase, which is good, because, well, my bank account doesn't want to go bankrupt because I got another convention to go to in about, what, a month? TerrorCon? As I'll be going to that, not Silver Scream or CT Horror Fest because there's no way to do three conventions. I can only afford one. And Terracon 1 with that lineup, which I won't go into. Because, again, I can't talk about it on this podcast. Because I'd be promoting the studio's films. And I refuse to promote the studio's films on this podcast until they at least get back to the table. Anyway, my overall assessment of this con, I love this con a lot. This was very organized. Between the lines and everything, everything had a good flow to it. I was able to move around much smoothly than the last time I was there two years ago, which was very good. If there was one major gripe I had with this con was the fact that that AEW panel, then the AEW stars went to do their photo ops. Here's the thing. You had to run from the panel room all the way into the main hall and Go all the way to the back in like 10, 15 minutes. That's all the time I had literally to get from the panel room to the photo op area. From my photo op for Danhausen. I did not like that. Seriously. That's a gripe that I can't complain about. Seriously. Because they need to space out these photo ops. If they have a panel like at one end of the building and then have the photo op area at the expo center all the way at the end, you need more time than like 15, 20 minutes. You need more like maybe an hour or maybe like 3 o'clock would have been a good time. 2.30, 3 o'clock before starting the AEW photo ops. At least have a half hour to get from the panel room to the photo op area. Because literally, I had like 20 minutes, and you're trying to get through that big, massive crowd, especially on a Saturday. That's not good, literally. I made it there barely, but that's the only gripe I had with this convention, as this was a very fun convention, very well organized, with the exception of that. But, I have to say, I really enjoyed Terrificon, again. I think it's one of the best cons in the New England area. I'd probably put it up there on par with Rhode Island Comic Con as the best convention period in the New England area. Mitch Hollick and the team run a very good show year in, year out. They always bring in good guests and everything is organized. I'd come back next year. Seriously, I would go back there next year in a hot beat. Not saying I will, but 
Depends what the schedule looks like for next year in cons. I could be at another con next year, for all I know. So, I never commit to these cons until literally maybe beginning of the year after winter, basically. That's when I stop committing to choosing which cons I go to. But I have to say, I'd probably go to Terrificon again next year. It was such a great convention. And definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of comic cons or comic conventions. As they had a really good amount of comic book artists as well. If you're into comic books as well. As I picked up a few comic books as well. Horror related. And also one humor book too, which I like too. Which is like a cartoon strip that's in newspapers called Sour Grapes. If Anybody wants to check it out, definitely check that comic strip out. It's also on Facebook as well. Just type in Sour Grapes. As I really had a fun time with Terrificon this year. And overall, this was just a fun weekend at Mohegan Sun. Probably one of the best vacations I've had, period. Between convention-wise and things to do. At the venue. And I mean, I was worried at the beginning of this convention that I would not have a good time. And it turned out to be such a great time. So definitely, if you're in the New England area, you should definitely check out Terrificon next year. As the con will be moving to August next year. As next year's con takes place August 16th through the 18th at Mohegan Sun. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm director Andrew Duran, and we are the Two From Hell. And we're putting Rated R back into podcasting. Every month, we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and maybe interviews. You can find Two From Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two From Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show. Welcome back. Now it's time to talk about wrestling. In WWE... SummerSlam 2023. The event took place on August 5th from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. I don't know what to say about this show. Seriously. Now, you people might know I tend to like AEW a lot. More than WWE. But I'm going to give WWE a fair review, too. But this show, SummerSlam 2023, was not good. I'm just saying this right now. There's just not a lot of good stuff on this show. As this was literally, I think, another bad SummerSlam pay-per-view or premium live event. And I was really hoping it would be a good show. A couple of things did deliver. I'll give it that. But there was just too much negative stuff in WTF things going on in this show. And I have a new rating system, too, for these shows. Because I'm not going to sit there for 20, 30 minutes talking about each show. Especially when I got All Out and All In coming up next month. That's going to be one episode. And I'm not going to sit there talking for over an hour about two shows. So, instead of going into detail on each match, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to go over the positives, the negatives, and the WTF. And if it's WTF, it's really bad. And I can tell you this show had some things where I had that feeling. Seriously. Let me start with the results of this pay-per-view. The pay-per-view kicked off with Logan Paul beating Ricochet. Then you had Cody Rhodes defeating Brock Lesnar by pinfall. LA Knight won the 25-man Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royal. Shayna Baszler beat Ronda Rousey. Gunther beat Drew McIntyre to 
keep the Intercontinental Championship. Seth Rollins defeated Finn Balor to keep the World Heavyweight Championship. Bianca Belair defeated Asuka and Charlotte Flair to become the new WWE Women's Champion. Elo Sky afterwards cashed in her Money in the Bank briefcase and beat Bianca Belair to become the new WWE Women's Champion. So Elo Sky is now the new champion. And in the main event, Roman Reigns defeated Jay Uso. Of course. This is the Roman Reigns show, everyone. They should just change the letters to R-R-E. Roman Reigns Entertainment. But I'll save that for WTF. Seriously. As I have a lot of major gripes about that main event. But first, let's start off with the positives. It starts off with the Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar match. Now, this is a match I really enjoyed a lot. I liked how they went with this David versus Goliath type of match. As this is what it felt like to me for most of this match. As Cody Rhodes was taking a beating from Brock Lesnar. And Rhodes does a very good job selling Brock Lesnar's offense in this match. I also like the fact that in the beginning of the match, Cody keeps getting thrown out of the ring. Brock Lesnar begs him not to come back in, which is kind of interesting because usually you don't see that in a Brock Lesnar match where he begs someone not to come back in. He usually beats the hell out of you. So that was kind of interesting to see. When that didn't happen... Well, we all know what happened. Brock Lesnar starts kicking ass. Hitting an F5 on the floor, but Cody gets back in the ring. He would hit an F5 through an announcing table during the match. But again, Cody would get back in the ring. Cody, of course, would make his big comeback with disaster kick and a two Cody cutters for a two count. Lesnar would hit the Kamara, but Cody would make it to the ropes. Cody would send Brock into the exposed turnbuckle and hit the Kimura on him, but Brock powers out. Brock would try an F5, but Cody would counter it into the crossroads and hit the move two more times afterwards to get the pin. After the match, Brock shakes Cody's hand in a sign of respect. Oh, I thought that probably was match of the night, pretty much. That and the Gunther versus Drew McIntyre match were probably the two best matches on this card. Which isn't saying much, because there was just a lot of bad on this card, period. But this was just such a very good match. I enjoyed it a lot. The next positive was the Slim Jim Battle Royal. I like the fact that the right guy won in this Battle Royal. LA Knight was in the Battle Royal. I know it meant nothing, but he needed a big win. You give it to him here. Plus, he's a big merch seller. If he did not win this Battle Royal... This match probably would have been a disaster as we would be second-guessing the winner here. Because literally, there's only one person that should have won this match. And that person won in LA Knight. Anybody else but LA Knight winning this match would have meant disaster for this match. Because A, LA Knight did a Slim Jim commercial. And guess who sponsored the Battle Royal? Slim Jim. I don't think the sponsor would have been happy if anybody else won that match. But LA Knight. And two, LA Knight is pretty much their biggest merch seller right now. If not one of their biggest merch sellers. So he had to get a victory on this premium live event. As the final four in this match was... Bronson Reed, L.A. Knight, A.J. Styles, and Sheamus. L.A. Knight eliminated Bronson Reed. Styles went for a flying forearm, but Karrion Cross, who was eliminated earlier, eliminates him. Then Knight would finish the match by eliminating Sheamus over the top rope with a clothesline. 
It was 12 minutes. Nice, short, sweet. I like the fact that that was a very good match. And I think the right guy won. Now they really need to stop pushing LA Knight over here. Because he's way over with the fans. It's time for Triple H to stop pushing people. That who are over with the fans. Before Vince comes back. Another positive was Gunther's continuous march towards the Intercontinental Championship record. At this point, he's about a month away or a little under a month away. He better break that record. Seriously. That would be nice. At this point, you don't have him hold it this long to drop it right at the point where he's about to break the record and he doesn't. If they Give the title to Chad Gable, who is now the number one contender to the Intercontinental Championship between now and when he breaks the record. That's not good. Seriously. The guy deserves it. Gunther is a beast in the ring. He has great match after great match. He's brought back the prestige of the Intercontinental Championship. He had another really good match against Drew McIntyre on this premium live event. He needs to continue to keep this title. Seriously. In fact, he should not be losing this title at all. He should be continuously holding on to this title. Have him keep it till WrestleMania. Have him win the Royal Rumble. Then have him face the champion at the time. Maybe do a champion versus champion match. Like WrestleMania 6. Because Gunther is a draw. And he's great in the ring. He's in a really good stable. He needs to keep that title. And he needs to break the Intercontinental Championship record held by the Hockey Talk Man. Because Walter is a great wrestler and is well deserving of breaking that record. Seriously. The guy cannot have a bad match at all. And the final positive... Seth Rollins keeps the World Heavyweight title and in the process continuing the Judgment Day Dissension storyline. Now this was a really good match. The two worked well together as it was a little slow in the beginning. But the last third of this match was very good and intense. Priest would come out with the Money in the Bank briefcase then the rest of Judgment Day comes out to distract the ref to give Ballard the case, but Ballard rejects the case at first. Rollins takes out Priest, then Dominic Mysterio. Ballard hits his finisher, the coup de grace, for a two count. Priest then would toss the briefcase into the ring again. Ballard this time goes for the case only for Rollins to hit the curb stop on Ballard. For the three count. In a very good match. And continuing the storyline of. Who's going to turn on who. Is Priest. And the rest of Judgment Day. Going to turn on Finn Balor. Or is Finn Balor. And the rest of Judgment Day. Going to turn on Damian Priest. That's an interesting storyline. And you also had that Money in the Bank briefcase too. In that storyline. So it's kept That storyline going, which is good. You want to continue that. It makes the storyline interesting to an eventual Finn Balor-Damian Priest match. Whenever down the line. Because we're probably going to get that match sooner than later. As one of them probably going to turn on the other eventually. That's the way this is heading. And that's the positives. On to the negatives. First... Product placement, everyone. As there was so much product placement on this pay-per-view. Why do they continue to do this, WWE? Seriously. You have wrestlers bringing energy drinks to the ring. I know Logan Paul came out to his prime drink. Bianca Belair came out with a C4 drink, I think. As I could clearly see she had a can of something as she was coming down to the ring. You also had Mike's Hot Lemonade being shown on this pay-per-view. While Alfred Academy was playing the latest WWE video game. 
I don't mind the video game being promoted. I have no problem with that. But all these outside promotions, I don't like it. It's just too much. You already have this pay-per-view sponsored by Slim Jim, C4, and Rocket Mortgage. I don't need 10 million sponsors on one pay-per-view. Seriously, WWE. It takes away from the wrestling by having all these sponsors. It's just distracting. I don't want to see ads. That's why I have a premium subscription to Peacock. I don't want to see ads. But WWE is trying to cram ads any way they can into their premium live events. And it's ridiculous. Seriously. You also got people who don't have the premium tier that watch these events. They have to see commercials. On top of that. It's ridiculous. Seriously, WWE. I do not need to see advertisement. It's overkill. I just don't like product placement, people. Seriously. It's just me. I do not want to see product placement in my wrestling. I just want to see wrestling. And you wonder why you can't fit many talent on these cards. You're trying to have lengthy matches and stupid ad breaks in middle of pay-per-views that aren't even by Peacock. I don't get it, WWE. Seriously. When is it going to ever stop with the stupid product placement? I hate it in films... And I hate it in wrestling. Next negative. The screw job ending to the Logan Paul versus Ricochet match. Now, I was really enjoying Logan Paul versus Ricochet. Seriously, I think both of these athletes put on one hell of a match. But it gets tainted when you have screw job finishes. I would like to have a clean finish. In one of these Logan Paul matches. As it seems like every time Logan Paul is in a match. Something screwy happens. Seriously. Just does. I don't get it. I know he's new to the business. But still. Dude needs to have a finisher. He can't continuously win by some screwy methods. After a while it just gets redundant. As this was a really good match with the until the finish when Ricochet misses a 6:30, Logan Paul rolls out to the edge of the ring. Then one of Logan Paul's entourage hands him brass knucks, lays a right hand on Ricochet with the brass knucks, and gets the three count. I don't get it. Seriously, this was a very good match. Stupid stuff like this ruins good matches. I was enjoying this. As you will see later on, it didn't look good. To open your pay-per-view or premium live event with a screw job finish. But I'll save that for later. Because I do have an issue with the way they opened the show and closed the show. And the last negative I had... This card was 4 hours and 10 minutes. For you people who probably saw it live, it was probably 4 and a half hours at least. I watched the replay on Peacock, so I didn't have time to watch all of it live. But if I watched a 4 and a half hour show, and there's like 8 matches, and a lot of video packages, I just don't get it. I know, part of it's Peacock. I get it. They want to run commercials during these premium live events. But these video packages live just lengthens the show for no reason. With the exception of the cash-in, you had eight matches on the card. It shouldn't take almost four and a half hours to do this. Which I'll get to later on in WTF as well. Because, well, one of those matches almost took up a fourth of the show. And that's not good. Seriously. One match cannot take one fourth of a show. Unless you can do a 60 minute time limit draw. It should not be taking a fourth of a show. 
that's only reserved for matches that take 60 minutes in its entirety or close to that. You can do a 58-minute match. That's fine. But don't do almost an hour focusing on one match when the match doesn't even go an hour, first of all. But I'll save it for later on in WTF because there's really some major gripes about it. Speaking of WTF, let's move on to WTF. And the first thing, Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey in an MMA rules match. This match was so boring to watch. This was so horribly booked. I don't get what creative thought when they wanted to do an MMA rules match between those two. Because this match was so boring. This did not feel like an MMA match. You know, it felt like it was just boring and slow. It's like, it's no full of Ronda Rousey or Shayna Baszler. It's just, this is bad booking 101 here. As this match should never have had that stipulation in the first place. Because this match was doomed from the start. The action in this match was very Boring. We had Sheena Baszler hit a head kick to Rousey at one point. Now, in a normal MMA fight, a head kick probably would end a match. Not here. And this is where this match really goes downhill. It's just, how can you buy anything in this match? How can you buy the moves that the two performers put on each other? Seriously. Especially if you're into MMA. This didn't feel like a typical mixed martial arts match. Seriously. Felt very slow, very boring. You have Rousey hit a flying knee on Baszler at one point. Well, I see flying knees every time on AEW or New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's just the gimmick really kills this match. Really bad here. The ref really didn't feel like it was like a normal MMA ref. Felt like just a typical wrestling ref. Maybe a little boxing ref as well. Because everything felt so fake. Literally. And that's the problem when you try to do these MMA style matches in pro wrestling. They usually never work. Why did they even try to attempt it here? Seriously. I'm not blaming Ronda Rousey or Shayna Baszler here. They were put in a very bad situation by WWE booking. And booking did no favors to any of those two people in that match. It was just horrible booking from the get-go. This match was just horrible to watch. It's, as much as I don't like Ronda Rousey's run in WWE this time around, I can't say this time around it's her fault. It's on WWE booking because this match should have never been a MMA rules match it should have been a plain old submission match that's all that would have worked a lot better than having the MMA rules stipulation in there because literally it just confused everyone the crowd was dead and even watching it I was bored watching this match it was just that bad I hope WWE does not do an MMA rules match ever again. Please no. That was so horrible to watch. And it probably did more damage to Shayna Baszler than good. Even though she won the match. Next WTF moment on this pay-per-view. SummerSlam started with a screw job ending. And it ended with a screw job ending. That's right. You start off your pay-per-view with a screw job ending, and you end your pay-per-view with a screw job ending. Great way to set the tone for your pay-per-view, then end your pay-per-view the same way. On a downer. Literally. It was not good. Seriously. It happened with the Logan Paul versus Ricochet match, which was very good. Until that point. As that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Then it happened in the main event, in your typical Roman Reigns main event, where you have to have 
screw job after screw job after screw job. As there were a lot of shenanigans in that match, as Jey Uso felt like he was fighting three on one during that match, literally. He was fighting Roman Reigns, Soa Sokoa, Paul Heyman, and the Hooded Man. That turned out to be Jimmy Uso. That's right, the same Jimmy Uso that ended getting sent into an ambulance. That Jimmy Uso. It's like every Roman Reigns match has to have three or four people trying to keep Reigns' title around his waist. It's like it never ends with the shenanigans of a Roman Reigns match. It's just ridiculous. I don't get it, WWE. When are you going to have clear winners and clear losers in your main events? This is starting to feel like WCW. Seriously, when the NWO was around, they would come out during the main event and try to help Hulk Hogan win. I don't get it, WWE. Seriously. It's just so stupid that we need more shenanigans. Every time Roman Reigns has a title defense. And to have that on top of a screw job ending in the beginning of the pay-per-view or premium live event really was awful. Seriously. That's not how you run a card. By starting your card off with a screw job finish and ending a card with a screw job finish. It's ridiculous. Seriously. Who books this? But again, this is WWE, everyone. And they love to continue having these screwy finishes every time Roman Reigns is defending his title. This is why I am sick of Roman Reigns having both the WWE World Heavyweight Championship and the Universal title. None of these matches end with a clean winner and a clean loser. It ends with a cheater winner and a clean loser. It's very predictable. Who's going to go up against Roman Reigns now? Seriously. Are there any challengers left? Seriously. I don't get this promotion. He's been champion for what, almost two, three years now? He's one of the biggest title hogs in the history of wrestling. And I will go into this more on another show. Because I have another WTF that I like to share. And it regards the Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns match. The fact that it takes 58 minutes from the opening package video to the first ring bell. It took 18 minutes or 17 and a half to be exact. That's ridiculous. Video package. Then have 10 minutes to walk down the ring. Have Roman Reigns go on the mic, do the same thing that he does all the time when he wrestles, and then start the match like 20 minutes after the video package, the Roman Reigns quick promo, and the ring introductions. It's ridiculous. Seriously. I don't like it. I don't like it. Just get in the ring and have the match, please. It does not need to take 18 minutes. Then you had like a 36-minute match, which was chaos, literally, which featured 10 million people running in, which didn't help. And by the time the match was over, and it cut to the SummerSlam highlight video package to wrap up the show, it was all about 57 and a half minutes, at least. That's almost a fourth of a pay-per-view or premium live event on one match. That's ridiculous. That's acidine. Seriously. You're doing a four and a half hour show and you're wasting almost an hour on one match. That's ridiculous. Seriously. For a match that took, what, a half hour? A little over a half hour? You wasted 20 minutes between the video package and the entrances and the ring introduction. I don't get this promotion, WWE, seriously. Or should I say Roman Reigns Entertainment? Because you seem to want to put Roman Reigns over all the time. It's ridiculous. 
Seriously. You guys have to get more wrestling on this show. There is no need for me to sit there for almost four and a half hours and see a show that has a main event that takes an hour and there's only like what? A little over a half hour wrestling in that hour? I don't get WWE seriously. This show did not need to be four hours, 12 minutes, or four and a half hours if you watched it live. No reason, not at all. But WWE, they wanted to do a five minute video package where they could have just done a two minute video package would have been nice. It's ridiculous. Seriously. This is the problem with WWE. And it's not going away. I thought it would go away with Triple H, but it isn't. It's like they just want to kill time. I don't want to kill time. I just want to get to the action. I want to see wrestling. Not five minute video packages. Ten minute introductions. Between the entrance and the ring introductions. I don't want to see that. I want to see wrestling. I, I don't get this promotion at times. Seriously. 57 and a half minutes for your main event. Between the video package for the match and the video package for the SummerSlam 2023 event at the end. 57, 58 minutes is ridiculous. Seriously. Overall, this was not a good pay-per-view. This did have some bright moments. Cody versus Brock Lesnar. LA Knight winning the Battle Royal, to name a few. But it's just negatives like the screw job finish during the Ricochet versus Logan Paul match. The fact that we had screw jobs at the beginning and end of the premium live event. The MMA rules match, which was a total disaster. And the whole Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso match that took 58 minutes from opening video package to the SummerSlam 23 video package. And it ended with a screw job ending. I'm sorry, but this premium live event, SummerSlam 2023, gets two out of five stars. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for this sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. You can find Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show on social media, on the Slasher app, Facebook and Instagram at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. You can find the show on Twitter at K Media. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and other major podcast providers. You can also listen to the show on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Media and DocDiscussions.com. And don't forget to join the official Facebook group of Anthony's Horror and Wrestling Show. On Facebook, type the name of the show in the group search box. What's Anthony T watching this episode? It's the continuation of the Indie Crusade as we're still a SAG strike. So we're continuing with 
independent horror films being reviewed here in this segment. Now, this one comes from Livid Media. They've put out some good stuff, including Death Pock and Death Pock The End and Like Father, Like Daughter. They've recently sent out their latest film called Zombie Rage, which is an anthology zombie film directed by three directors, Ken A. Brewer, John Ward, and Johnny Leetrick. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I apologize. That's a hard name to pronounce. Now, the plot synopsis of this film, according to IMDb, is an anthology of five tales of people in different situations when a zombie apocalypse breaks out. Okay, so we are dealing with a horror anthology film here, people. Which is fine. I don't mind doing horror anthologies. It's kind of nice to see a zombie horror anthology film for once. It's different. And I like the fact that there's three different directors, so you get basically different stories and that stuff. My overall thoughts on the film. I like this film a lot. I thought this was a good film. It has maybe a few downs, but still, I enjoyed almost all of it. There were some really good segments in this film, including CKX News, which was the opening and final segment of the film. I kind of like the fact that that was pretty much your open and your end to the film. Because you need an opening, you need an end, sort of like a wraparound segment. And that pretty much really served as the wraparound segment. I didn't mind it at all that it was just the beginning and the end of the film. I thought these segments are very good. I thought the director, Johnny Leet Tricks, did a very good job in the way he balances the humor and the horror of it. As it added to those two segments. And it didn't feel like it was throwaway at all. Even though it doesn't connect to the film at, at all. As none of these segments actually connect to the film. They're just like five random segments. Then we have like two stoners and a zombie from Ken A. Brewer. I like the acting in this film. I thought that was good. Brewer does a really good job with the way he... Keeps the action moving, the direction. My only gripe with this segment was the fact that it felt incomplete. It's like, yeah, it's like, what the hell? It's like, I wanted some sort of follow-up. But when you're doing horror anthologies, you need to have, like, a follow-up. And it was prevalent in at least two of his three segments. There was, like, no ending to them. It felt like you could probably continue on with these characters. Then we get Flesh Attack, which is pretty much one short film, but it was divided into two parts. Why, I don't know. Because I would have liked the fact that it would have been one part and one part only. I wouldn't mind waiting, just sitting there watching the whole film. That's fine. It would have probably worked better than dividing it, but still, I liked it. I thought both parts of that film was very good. I thought John Wood's direction here was very good. I like the fact that the action really keeps moving, even though it takes place in, like, one house, which usually can be a detriment to some of these indie horror films. Screenplay had a different tone from all the other segments in this film. As this had a more darker... It had tension built up. It was focusing more on the darker elements. Which I liked about this story. As this story does a good job with the way it builds. And builds and builds. It had also more of a suspense tone to it. I thought the lead actress in that segment was very good. And those two segments were split up in between another segment called Veronica's Bachelorette Party. This is probably my favorite segment of the film. 
as this is another segment directed by Ken Brewer with the screenplay written by Mary Gietve. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I apologize. Gietve does a very good job with her screenplay here as she balances both the male stripper storyline and the bachelorette storyline as she does a very good job making sure that both those storylines are fleshed out very well. Ken A. Spruer does a very good job in the way he directs his actor and actresses in that segment. As especially the actresses in that segment, as the actresses really had chemistry with each other. Because this was one of those segments where there was like seven actresses in one room. You need to continuously keep the flow of the scene moving through dialogue. And Brewer does a really good job making sure that this chemistry between each of the actresses, as it really made it entertaining. There is this outrageous bachelorette potty scene. Which I won't go into detail because I won't spoil this film, but it's just outrageous. Then the action at towards the end of it was also very good, well executed, very good gore effects. Overall, it was a very good segment. Then the final film in this is A Walk in the Park. And this is probably the most complete segment of this anthology film, as you got a beginning, middle, and end. This is also directed by Ken A. Spruer. He does a very good job here with the action, I thought, for a segment that had lots of people in it. It was good. It was very good, actually. Because sometimes when you have that feeling when you have 10 million people in a segment or in a film, it can be detrimental to a segment or a film. But here it doesn't because... Of the way he directs the zombie action in that segment. As the zombie action was very good. It's very gory as well. I thought it really kept my interest a lot. As that was entertaining as well. As that last half of that film was very good. From the bachelorette party segment to the end of the film is where this film really fires on all cylinders. Definitely, I recommend you check out Zombie Rage. It's currently on sale at lividmedia.org, where you can get either the DVD or Blu-ray. I give Zombie Rage four stars. Next episode, I'm hoping to get a guest on next episode. I may also talk a little wrestling next episode, because, well, I think it's time we talked about Roman Reigns. And the fact that he's held the WWE Universal Championship and WWE World Heavyweight Championship for way too long. And it's really killing this company. It's my opinion. Literally. I think the longer Roman Reigns is at the top of WWE, it's going to hurt the company. Because literally, you have all these people who should be up at the top of the card... But aren't because you have this guy who's been holding a title for almost three years and it's pot time. But I will save this rant for next episode. That wraps up another edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. If you liked what you're listening to, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Leave those star ratings. Also, don't forget to... Follow Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling on social media at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling. Support indie horror.
This has been a Film Arcade Media production.